Seinfeld, the mango is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who hope you feel as full and satisfied after this podcast as you did if you had a nice plate of risotto. I'm Rob Sestrini. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm great, Rob. I'm excited to be in New York. Yeah, Akiva is excited on the podcasting move. podcasting with you. Recording podcasts with me all over the world. Uh, yes, this is from my childhood bedroom. Really, my sister's. I get kicked out of mine. Oh, so you're doing it from the treadmill? No. So I, I when I big shocker, people might want to sit down for this. Treadmill is gone. Oh, no. Came what into the happened? room. It broke, and they got rid of it finally. How did it break? Uh, I think just it. It was like ten years old. It just got so so much use. Obviously not for me. I haven't used it in ten years. But it uh, it's no longer there. There's a lot more room in the room, but it's very sad. Okay, sorry to hear that, Akiva. But anyway, happy to have you back here with us in the United States as we're talking about the kickoff to season five of Seinfeld with the mango. Yeah, and I'm super excited to start season five. It's a lot of people's favorite season. Uh, You know, it definitely starts off with a very good episode. And, uh, you know, it's really there's not one underlying theme, obviously, like season four. But, you know, the only theme is that there's, you know, high quality episodes most of the way through. Why do you think after the success of season four? where many people, I'm sure, in the time and also in the years to come after it, really liked what Seinfeld did in season four. Why did they stop doing that after season four? I think Jerry and Larry are very much, a little bit like the the South Park mode, where like, oh, we did this and everyone loves it. Now we have to try and do something completely different. Okay. What are some of the highlights from season five? Give us some of the episodes as we go along here for the next, what, 22 some odd weeks. Uh, No double episodes this season, right? Yeah, that's the best part about season five. (laughs) Okay, so we got 22 episodes here in season five. What are some of the best of the best that we're going to talk about here? Well, it really starts off strong, I think, with the mango and the puffy shirt. Those are the first two. Yeah. Um, The probably the creme de la creme of season five is the marine biologist about halfway through. Sure. Oh, actually, there is there is a two parter. The raincoats is a double episode. Okay. So we'll Um, do that. uh, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and then it ends. You know, it starts with two strong episodes: the mango and the puffy shirt. And it ends with uh, two of the most famous and best episodes of the whole series: uh, the Hamptons and the opposite. Okay. So a lot going on here along the way in season five of Seinfeld. A great time to remind you guys, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, jump on board, go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. And we always appreciate it when you give us your feedback and star ratings in the iTunes store. It helps more and more people find the podcast. So we greatly appreciate it. Season five, good for five stars, right? Uh, yeah. If you gave us four stars for season four, maybe bump it up a little bit. Five and stars the, for season like the five. one or two people who gave us uh, one star for season one. Come on, give us five stars now. Yeah, that's the hashtag. Five stars for season five. All right, Kiva. So before we jump into talking about the mango, which is the season five premiere from September of 1993, do you have any Seinfeld news? Uh, sure. Well, you know how we were talking about um, how in the cultural lexicon, Larry has surpassed Jerry probably. Right, we were talking about that a few weeks ago, or at least is on the same sort of even ground. Yes, yeah, he's probably he's not as famous as Jerry, but his uh, Q rating is maybe a little bit higher, or certainly even. He's beloved. Yes, and he's not controversial. I, I feel like Jerry at this point has some detractors, whereas Larry really doesn't. Yes, except for maybe who, people who know him in real life. I imagine maybe they're detractors. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Larry really uh, took a step up in terms of uh, you know hobnobbing with the elite 
because uh, this past week he played golf with uh, who would be the best person to play golf with? Barack Obama. Well, well I was going to say Tiger Woods for sure. Okay, because you could beat him now also, and then you could be like, <laughs> yeah, Tiger Woods. that's true. Uh, but yeah, Barack, he, uh, Larry David, Barack Obama, and uh, two other dudes who nobody's ever heard of—a uh, campaign fundraiser yes. and some other yeah. guy. Yeah, but uh, they, uh, Larry went golfing. It's a pretty big deal, uh, you know, on, on Obama's vacation. To you know, he he gets to invite you know maybe one celebrity a day in addition to like a couple friends or fundraisers. It so. wasn't Super Dave Osborne. I mean, maybe like I see there was a bunch of days. The next guy was like the head of the World Bank, so Super Dave may have had a chance. You know, Ted Danson might have gotten thrown in there. Who knows who who else was golfing with the president on his vacation? But I do think, uh, I do think, probably not Donald Trump. But no, I think not at this point. No, I I think um, that's about as big of a deal as uh, you know as you could get for uh, LD. All right, so good for LD to go golfing with the president. I, I think that would be fun to see a video. Like, was LD being himself, or was he being a little more stoic? Yeah. I have to think he's probably being himself. Yeah, like he's probably doing routines and stuff and yelling at the golf balls and stuff like that. Yeah, it seems like a great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he's then giving Obama some sort of policy information of, you know, there's this one thing that's <laughs> like, turning into a whole mess and Obama walking off or he's going to accuse Obama of cheating or something like that. Yeah, I think accusing him of cheating would be a really good one. Although it's kind of like Clinton was accused of cheating so many times when he was president as a golfer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be funny. And listen, Obama will be available in a year and a half. So he won't be president anymore, but it still might make for like a funny, you know, a funny episode if he's up for that. Absolutely. Okay. Any other Seinfeld news this week? Uh, yeah. Happy, uh, happy 6-0, the big 6-0 to Wayne Knight. Newman oh, Newman. Happy birthday. Yeah. Who knew he was so young? The new Svelte Newman. Yeah, he really is felt. He literally is a new man. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Our Seinfeld Seen It trivia question of the week, Akiva. Oh, no. In the Scofflaw, who is mm-hmm. the Scofflaw being referenced in the title? Who is the Scofflaw? Yes. Isn't it Kramer? I have to think it's going to be Kramer. It's Newman. Oh, the birthday guy. It was Newman. Okay. There you go. All right, Akiva, let's jump into our season five premiere. Of course, now this is where Seinfeld takes over the Cheers time slot at nine o'clock on NBC in the fall of 1993. Yeah, a lot of pressure on Seinfeld at this point. You know, it's really carrying the most important night uh, for the number one network. And they, you know, I, I know network executives, I've read a lot about how they were very worried uh, about, you know, obviously the pilot did like 30 something million people, but, you know, would it survive on its own? It wasn't extremely popular, remember, until they moved it behind Cheers. And even though it was doing like 95% of Cheers numbers most nights, they were definitely worried about a standalone uh, show, but they really had nothing to be worried about. I think only one, I think the lowest rated episode of the whole season is 24 and a half million viewers, which is ludicrous. So. Yeah, it did fine on its own. This episode had a Nielsen rating of 19.3 and an audience share of 29%. So it does huge numbers. Seinfeld is officially a mega hit at this point in time. Yeah, they're co- after this first episode, they're calling their agents and, uh, you know, saying rip up the contracts. We need new ones. Yeah, you could have said that they were a time slot hit before this. Now they are holding their own. No more Carolyn in the city. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. 
It is September 16th, 1993, when the mango premieres. It opens with Jerry talking about seedless watermelon. He has a little bit of a funny joke about how there are some people that are working on cancer. There are other people working on taking the seeds out of watermelon. I mean, it's true. I have one friend who's like a, like a serious scientist. And he like, you know, he was in the news a couple weeks ago. He discovered something about dark matter. Wow. I didn't understand one, or, one word in the whole article. Yeah. Not one. But like ultimately, like he even says in there, like, I don't know if for sure, like this is going to mean anything. It's just like a means to an end of like a discovery. Now we're going to look into it more. Realistically, don't you think if he was like figuring out, you know, some sort of fruit related thing or like how to, you know, have seedless watermelon. Wouldn't that do more for us as a people than figuring out stuff about dark matter that I don't even know what that is? That's interesting. So you think that he should be working on all sorts of produce related science like Joe? Oh, no, it doesn't have to be produce. I feel like it, it should just be like day to day. There should be more day to day scientists. See, I thought you were going to say, shouldn't all scientists just be working on cancer research? Like if everybody of all the scientists we're working on something like cancer. Doesn't it seem like we could crack this thing in five years? But you're saying that science, that's I, dark matter. I'm assuming that has to do with outer space. I, don't, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know. Enough <laughs> we, need about a, it. we need a podcast scientist. <laughs> yeah. Well, could it be your friend? Yeah, I guess we could get him on. I don't know. We won't know what he's talking about, though. Yeah. We need a dumber scientist, like, a, like maybe a guy who's in school who's going to be a scientist. According to Wikipedia, dark matter is a hypothetical kind of matter that cannot be seen with telescopes, but would account for most of the matter in the universe. The existence and properties of dark matter are inferred from its gravitational effects or on visible matter, radiation, and the large-scale structure of the universe. All right. Have you seen this science report on dark matter? I think they call it dark matter because... Does it really matter? That's why they call it that. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I, Shouldn't I think, scientists be working on practical things? Yeah, but so to answer your, like, everyone always says, like, shouldn't every scientist just work on curing cancer? And obviously the answer is yes. But, like, Kramer would tell you if he was here that, uh, that you know, big medicine is into, like, not curing cancer. Sure, sure. Well, that's a different <laughs> discussion. Well, I don't know if every single scientist should be working on cancer. You want to eat watermelon with seeds? You like cherries with pits too, Akiva? You know, I've never eaten watermelon in my life, so I didn't <laughs> even not? like. It's gross. It's gross. But I'll eat. I love watermelon flavored like ices. <laughs> what is or, it like, about a watermelon that's gross? I don't know. It just like disgusts me. I'll never I, water. I've like. I don't even know if I've tried it. I just know I hate it. Would you rather have chocolate or watermelon? Oh, chocolate, no yeah. question. Okay. But not chocolate cake. That's also repulsive. <laughs> Such an interesting guy. We're waiting for the Akiva documentary to happen. Uh, I mean, I feel like you have it. You just have to listen to like 500 hours of this <laughs> podcast. Okay. So we go to George and Jerry in the diner. And George is talking about, he has this new person that he's like, what is this woman's name? Karen. Karen. And he is dating her. And does he like her? He doesn't quite know. Yeah, but he certainly passes the uh, cleaning the tub test. Yes. Jerry asks him, if you clean the tub, the tub is love. So Jerry says, congratulations, you're in love. So everything is going okay, except there's one problem. And what's that? It's a sexual problem. Oh, boy. 
George isn't feeling comfortable in one aspect of the relationship and Jerry deduces that it is one that is below the equator. I like that, below the equator. Jerry reassures George that nobody feels comfortable working on that area, and he says that nobody knows what to do. You close your eyes. You hope for the best. But unfortunately, George has recently gotten the tap from Karen, which he equates to being the pitcher out on the mound and the manager coming out and asking for the ball. I love that analogy. It's really a great baseball analogy. Now, are there more resources in 2015 that somebody in George's position could turn to than there were in September of 1993? I mean, no question, but he's also like a 30-something-year-old man, so I don't know if he's, you know, even though he's bald, like he's not that old. I don't know if like that's the first place he's looking. So where would be the first place he's looking? Like inside himself, like he's got to, he's got to dig deep. (laughs) (laughs) George, dig deep. Yeah. So this is a a problem that Jerry just makes him feel better by saying, ah, nobody, nobody knows what to do. I'm sure somebody knows what to do. And not according to Jerry. I mean, Jerry's being a good friend here though. (laughs) He really is. He's sympathizing with him. Yeah. And Elaine ends up uh, coming through and she quickly realizes that there is some orgasm talk going on because uh, George talks about how the rest of the stuff that's going on is fine unless she's faking. Yeah, Elaine, Elaine here is faking like a siren call. She wasn't even in the restaurant. She just ran in. <laughs> and so they ask Elaine, did she ever fake an orgasm? Uh, Elaine, uh, by, by the way, this episode, I th- is this like the most, like the least uh, sort of safe for work or friendly for children episode we've had so far? Probably. Do you, not not to- on the podcast. I mean like on Seinfeld. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that we Because the contest on. is so much just uh, like, you know, there's so many metaphors and, and, you know, like a little kid could watch the contest and have no clue what it's talking about. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. Are right. you saying so we need a disclaimer? <laughs> Well, you shouldn't be listening to any of these episodes with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that we can keep this overall. I think that there's nothing that we're saying that couldn't be aired on television, right? Oh, no, no, no. No question. No question. Or on public radio. Probably not public radio, but on the uh, terrestrial radio. Oh, man. Public radio nowadays, they're going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what's on there. <laughs> anyway, so Elaine says she has faked. And George asks, how did the guy not know? And Jerry says, well, after that many beers, what did the guy know anyway? It was probably fuzzy anyway. Uh, yeah, they really love ripping into like Elaine's looks. It's a funny little running sub, you know, subplot. Why? You feel that's a, a dig on Elaine's looks? Yeah, like, oh, he could only, he could only be with you if, uh, you know, if he's drunk. Oh, I just felt like that they were saying that Elaine brings home drunk guys. I don't think that they were saying anything about oh, that a guy needed to wear beer goggles to be with Elaine. Well, I think isn't it the same thing? Like you can only bring home a drunk guy. I feel like they were more like talking about Elaine's character that these losers. Oh, I hear that Elaine, she's bringing home trashy guys. She's not, bringing not home these guys. drunkards from the bar. Okay, that's fair. Not necessarily that she needs to get a guy drunk to be with her. Okay, because that kind of would be insulting Jerry too. That's true. And so Elaine drops the bomb and says, you didn't know. And she has to know that he didn't know. Of course. Yeah. 
So I don't know why she's like, she's really like wrapping up the reveal here. You feel like this was a real jerk move on Elaine's part. Oh, she knows. Why is she bringing this up in front of George? Yeah, it's a good point. And so maybe she was bored that day. We talked about how Elaine is kind of mean. Yeah, she is mean. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes people say things that they shouldn't be saying just because like, yeah, they are just like, I'm going to get this out over with. I'm going to talk about it here. So it's a very funny back and forth. This is a kind of a famous scene where Jerry is asking her, are you saying that you faked with me? And yeah, so not only does she answer in the affirmative, yes. but uh, yeah, right. The, the, I think the most famous scene here is when Jerry's like the breathing, the panting, the moaning, the screaming. Fake, 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 fake. Yeah, that's probably the most famous line of the episode. The whole thing. Yeah. How many times did you do this, Elaine? All the time. Do you think she means 100% when she says all the time? Like, is she saying all the times? Yeah, like, I never won. So. Yeah. She said she just wasn't having them then. Yeah. Which is odd because so this is season five of the show. It really, we do assume that she was dating Jerry right at the start of the season. So four years ago, she wasn't having them, but now she is. Right. Plus, there was a, like a brief interlude where they hooked up in season two, right? Yeah. So it's only been about two years and change. Again, I'm talking about something that's above my pay grade, but it was like, <laughs> if she was talking about like, oh, we dated in our 20s and now it's like 10 years later. Okay, now I'm definitely, now I'm, but it seems like this has been an awakening for Elaine. I'm, I'm just glad to know it's above your pay grade. Unless it was just something where she's just saying, oh, I wasn't just having them then just to make Jerry feel better. Yeah, that's very possible. I think she may be making him feel better. So then George gets hit with the realization Maybe Karen is faking. Yeah, maybe. So we go back to Jerry's apartment. Kramer and Jerry are talking, and Jerry is very upset about all this. He calls what Elaine did sexual perjury. Akiva, do you have an issue with what Elaine did? I mean, she was throwing him a bone. Like, she was, no pun intended, she was doing him a favor, basically. She didn't want him to be, you know, like, feel uh, not good. Like, there's nothing he could have done. Yeah. Other than ask Kramer for tips. Because, Akiva, I don't have a problem with this if you're Jerry. You know, what are you trying to to say? There's so many times where I say something that is really funny at my house. And I know that it's funny. And my wife does not even give me a courtesy laugh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would appreciate it if I could at least get a fake laugh to my jokes that I know are good. Yeah, but then, you, then she's encouraging you to make more jokes. <laughs> it's more rude to me <laughs> to not laugh at my joke. Yeah, but who wants to hear more jokes? You're going to be, <laughs> you know, you're going to be bombarded by jokes every day. I appreciate the effort it takes to laugh at my joke. <laughs> <laughs> I would have no problem with this. Oh, boy. I, I think appreciate we, you know, the effort. <laughs> A lot of people, you know, when we discussed maybe doing a between season four and season five podcast, which uh, we didn't really have a great idea, but people seem yeah. like they did want to hear one. But you just wait 22 weeks and we'll have one between season five and season six. But one thing a few people uh, suggest that is a is a wife podcast. I feel like that would be the end of both of our marriages. I feel like they put two and two together. They'd figure something out. That would be it. No, I've done plenty of podcasts with my wife and that hasn't killed the marriage yet. No, it's not that your podcast. I feel like if. Like you get, you know, the hive mind together and, and, you know, it could be a disaster, at least for me. I think it probably would only take my wife to listen to one episode of this podcast, not even be on it. <laughs> I, are you saying she's never listened to an episode of the Seinfeld oh, podcast? Oh, never. 
never. <laughs> <laughs> she never will even. Oh boy. <laughs> but again, even pretending that she listened to an episode, I would appreciate the effort it would take to pretend she listened to an episode. Yeah, but then you'll give her a trivia question from seen it and then <laughs> she'll fail and you'll know she didn't listen. Because to me, it speaks to the fact of I care what you think. To me, it's a generous thing to do where it's not so much that you're not getting the honest feedback. Okay, you're lying to me. You're deceiving me. But it's I care so much about what you think. I don't want you to be disappointed. Let me at least lie to you and tell you I listen to this show because it will make you feel good. Are you offended when people you know don't listen to uh, listen to your podcast? No, no, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is this a metaphor for something? What if it, they went to a whole big thing with the talking and the laughing and the jokes and everything to make me in the tweeting to make me feel like they were listening to the podcast? Ultimately, that's the same for me as if they actually listened. Oh, so that's all you need to do. You need to like mention the hashtag, you know, follow you on Twitter. Talk about how funny you are. You don't actually have to listen to the show. That's right. You know who listens to the podcast? Oh, Meryl Streep. Oh, really? Yeah. Big fan. <laughs> I hear from her all the time. Are you sure she's not faking? Very authentic, Meryl Streep. I, I genuinely believe when she tells me she listens to the podcast. Is Meryl Streep on Twitter? <laughs> probably. I doubt Meryl Streep is on Twitter. Why are you saying probably? <laughs> <laughs> so they're talking about this. And uh, again, Jerry is upset. And so if Elaine, I guess the other side of this is that, well, if Elaine would have told Jerry, then he could have raised his game. And Kramer says that you could have talked to me. I could have given you some pointers. He knows how to press those buttons. He knows how to press the buttons. And so just then Elaine calls up. She's on the phone. She wants to go to dinner. They have a weird sort of conversation. And they talk about how you, let's just meet at that place at 730. First of all, it's interesting that they like always just go out to dinner together. Yeah. Just the two of them. But um, it's a, I don't know, a dinner before a movie on a weeknight also. This is like, a, these guys really have nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, 7.30. That's like a weird time. Yeah, because then they're going to like a 9.45 movie and it's, it seems like it's a weeknight. So I, I don't know. I think it's more weird for Elaine who works a day job than for Jerry who is a comedian. Oh yeah, I'm talking about Elaine because we see Elaine in the office two seconds later. Like she's clearly at work unless it's Friday. Yeah. Oh, could it be Friday? Um, I have one in five chance, I guess, if she's <laughs> at the office. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Elaine asks a female coworker if she's ever faked it. And it's a, by the way, it's a good thing. I think this lady's name is Renee. It's a good thing that Elaine is so confident that she's, you know, uh, a cool lady who's going to answer this question because, you know, a different person might go straight to HR right here. Mm. In trouble. But it's 1993. I think it's a different era. There's no HR in 1993. I think there's some HR in 1993, but I think to do like sexual harassment in 1993. I think you got to do like some Clarence Thomas type stuff. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know sexual harassment was in, in 93. I guess it really was hammer time. Yeah. Well, I think Clarence Thomas is the line in the sand of modern day sexual harassment. Oh, so he like, he, he basically uh, is responsible for like all the HR in offices nowadays. I think that was the start. Of it. I don't think that there was a lot of that stuff going on pre Clarence Thomas. Wow. I feel like that's like 91 or something like that. Yeah. All right. That's, that's actually good to know. Yeah. So I don't, definitely don't think that there's any sort of HR violation here of Elaine asking a female coworker if she's ever faked. 
But in 2015, you could get in trouble for it. You could get in trouble. And especially if this is a man asking a woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, you'd be out the door. They, they'd be packing up your bags. Yeah. Major trouble. I think that this depends on whether or not you are friends with the woman or not. This woman could have made something out of it if she wanted to. But I don't know if they would have. Again, we're we're getting off the beaten path here. With, I, th- uh, I thought this is our path. <laughs> <laughs> so the woman said, yes. Yes, she has. And Elaine asks when, if they went out to a show and they had good seats, or if she just wants to go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's a fair answer. So, again, from this woman's perspective, it seems to imply that her decision to fake was part and parcel with some sort of thank you. Yeah, it's a reward system, basically. I want to do something nice for you to let you know what you did for me was appreciated. Right. And it's also like a wrap it up, like the, the old Dave Chappelle, like wrap it up button. <laughs> well, that's the other part of it. But the first part I think is the interesting part about how, if he took her to a nice show that then that was her way of, you know, doing some sort of a performance to uh, make the guy feel special. Yeah, no, I like the logic there. And as two people who know nothing about women, I feel like the only, you know, everything we're learning here might be wrong. Yes. But, but this is all we know about women. Anything yeah. we watched on Seinfeld. Yeah. And again, I would always prefer to feel special than not feel special. You want people to tweet at you even if you don't listen to your podcast. It's like the whole thing about New York versus L.A. And people are always telling you like, well, in L.A., everybody's fake. But in New York, people are real. If somebody really hates you, they'll tell you F you to your face in New York. Where in L.A., they might hate you, but they'll pretend to be your friend. And it's like, I would much prefer if somebody hates me that they pretend to be my friend and tell me F you to my face. So you'd rather pretend friends than no friends? (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. I would rather pretend friends than actual enemies. Oh, than actual enemies. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you don't want people to curse you out to your face. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't like conflict. We're not conflict guys. Yeah. So, I again, I appreciate the effort, even if it's not sincere. <laughs> In all aspects of my life. In all aspects. <laughs> yes. Especially the podcast. It's hard for me to find the area of my life where I would not appreciate that same sort of thing of some sort of some sort of artificial feeling that go on iTunes and leave a five star rating for this podcast and you really don't even like it. That's fine. Even if you don't listen to it. Well, if you don't listen to it, then you'll never hear me say this. Why? But let's say, let's say your friend tells you, I don't know why your friend would tell you, but are the Mets kind of doing this to you right now? Like instead of what they've been doing in the past, which is like, you know, not caring. Right now, they're like making you feel warm and fuzzy, but at the end, you know, they're not going to uh, come through in the clutch. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the right analogy. Just to stick <laughs> okay. with the podcast with iTunes. Okay, fine. If the choice is somebody doesn't actually like the podcast, but is going on iTunes and leaving a glowing five-star review with the raving and the excitement and all of the stuff... And talking about what a what a wonderful show this was, but they didn't really care for it, but they were just trying to be nice. I appreciate that over the person who listened to the podcast, didn't really like it, and doesn't do anything to try to show us that it actually was good. So we're looking for come with guys. <laughs> now, <laughs> probably the best of all worlds in all things 
is the I appreciate your effort, Robin Akiva. That was good. Here's some ways that it could be better and it would improve the overall equation for all of us. That's the best case scenario of this was good. Let me talk to you. Let me give you some constructive criticism in a nurturing way that will help this podcast be better for all of us. That would be the best case scenario. Even better than somebody saying it's perfect. It can't get any better. But then if it's not actually perfect, well, let's say it is perfect. If it is perfect, then that's, <laughs> that's fine. But if it could use some work, if there are some things where the person was faking it, then probably the best would be to get the constructive criticism in a positive manner where you can grow and learn from it. That would be the best. Second right. best is the person didn't like it, but then we can just feel good. And the third, <laughs> the way distant down the line is the person didn't like it and they just, uh, we had no reaction. <laughs> no reaction. No, that's like, the worst. Uh, we don't know what's going on down there. Oh, boy. All right. Kramer says <laughs> that sometimes he's faked it. Why would, why would you fake it, Kramer? Sometimes he just wants to get some sleep. Yeah, and it's also well-delivered because we really, ju- in real time, we really just heard that line like 10 seconds earlier. So the audience really eats that up. It's very funny. It's a good gag. Kramer starts eating a peach. And as Jerry is trying to get more information from Kramer, like, hold on a second. Why would you fake it? It doesn't make any sense. Kramer eats a peach, and it's like it's poison. He spits it out. He spits it out. Bad peach? It's terrible. (laughs) And so this peach came from Joe's. Usually Joe's has such good fruit. Now, Akiva, do you know location-wise, is Joe's just right downstairs in the building? Well, it's got to be. It can't be. I don't know if it's downstairs in the building. It's got to be close by because there are a zillion fruit stores. That's one of the real, really uh, big holes in this episode. There's a million fruit stores in Manhattan. So even if Joe's is the best, the second best is probably three doors down. So who cares if you get banned from Joe's? Okay. So we see Kramer. He's going to return the peach to Joe's. Do you know, do you have anybody in your life who would return a peach? I can't imagine anybody that would be that concerned about returning a peach. No, I would say that if you have someone in your life who returns things that are under a dollar, Maybe cut them out of your life or, you know, or give them a talking to We'll call a porters and, you know, because it's, I feel like it's usually connected to, I don't know, like, do you think cheapness and hoarding are connected? I have no idea why I'm getting onto this. But I, I feel like that they are somewhat cousins. Yeah. So you may, you may have a hoarder on your hands. Yeah. If you have someone who's returning a dollar peaches. But is Kramer cheap? I don't know if that's a trait that we would normally attach to him. No, he just doesn't like being the sucker. He's not cheap. Yeah. He, he wants to always have the upper hand. He doesn't want to, the other guy to come out on top. He demands excellence. Yes, for everyone but himself. <laughs> so we see Kramer at Joe's. And Kramer is going to go into Joe's and tell him that he would like his money back on the peach. Joe takes no responsibility. He says he didn't make the peach. God made the peach. You get a bad peach. It's a good answer. Yeah. I mean, he can't, he can't stand for every peach and plum in the store. You get a bad peach, that's it. I mean, if you buy six peaches and you go five for six, you're batting like 87%. That's fine. I don't know. I side with Kramer here. I'm a believer that the customer is always right. And I think that Joe, as a business owner, needs to be saying, oh my God, Kramer, I'm so sorry. You've been such a good customer here. Let me take that peach back. Try out another peach. So they, oh, you had a bad plum here. Try out another plum. I think that you want to, and again, Joe seems like he's a bit of a curmudgeon, but I feel like from a business perspective, I think you want to keep 
Kramer's business long term as opposed to banning him from the store, even though that feels good. Agreed. And we've had a lot of sort of misanthropic sort of curmudgeonly store, you know, store owners. And we yeah. certainly continue with a lot more of them. The series is, is filled with them. I, but you're saying the customer's always right. Is that true? Like if somebody says, hey, Rob, I really didn't like the podcast you did Wednesday night. Do you give them their money back? Well, is it a paid podcast? No, it's a free podcast. But do you, are you, do you, I'm, I'm joking about the money. But do you ever like, yeah, you're right. You're the customer. If you think the podcast was bad, it was bad. If somebody bought one of my audiobooks that I've done and somebody <laughs> said, you know what, Rob? I like the podcast. This audiobook was terrible. The, the whole thing is going downhill. I hated it. It was terrible. I want a refund. I would say I would be glad to give you your money back. I'm sorry that it didn't, it didn't work out. Well, look at you. Did anybody say that? Um, <laughs> I have gotten negative criticism from not many people, from, from a couple of people. And I, that's why I always say, well, can I, can I refund your money back? Can but I, I bet they don't. I bet they wouldn't respond to that. They would not respond or they wouldn't take it. I like I, I bet if you say that there's not a third part to that sentence, yes. like a third part to that conversation. Am I correct? I haven't had to actually refund anybody's money. Okay, that's that they good. Hated. And I've listened to it and there's no reason anyone should ask for a refund. But, yeah. you know, unless it like broke your uh, your iPhone because it's just too big. What would Gary Vaynerchuk tell Joe? He'd tell him to go F himself. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no then the, but there's a point, though, where you have customer service. And then if Kramer is being increasingly difficult of like, I had a bad peach and I want money back and I want this and I want that. At some point, then you have to say, we will miss you. Thank you for your business, Kramer. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, you definitely want you, you get rid of the bad apples. But I don't I don't <laughs> That's know what Joe needs to do. That's his problem. <laughs> <laughs> but in Joe's mind, the bad apples, Kramer and not oh. the Randy Smith. <laughs> yeah. So I think customers always right. And then reaches a point where then if they mistake your kindness for being a sucker, then, okay, thank you. Thank but you. But you don't really think the customer's always right. You believe in treating the customer like he's always right. Yes. I think because if a hundred people like something you did and one person or one person for every hundred doesn't like it, they're probably wrong. You just want to treat them with kid gloves and make it seem like in their mind that they're correct. I'm also of the mind that in most criticism, there's at least a, uh, a grain of truth there. And there's something useful to take out unless it's just like, F you. You know, some of these people that just are like the egg people that are just like anonymous and just like cursing you out. Oh, yeah. The egg people on Twitter have no value. <laughs> no value. <laughs> they don't even know how to upload a picture. I'm not sure you want their advice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, outside of those people, I do think that there is something to be, you know, garnered from most criticism. And I okay. think that Joe, considering the fact that Kramer is a loyal customer, that he likes the product overall, I think that he's like a super user of Joe's fruit. I think that if somebody who loved what I do as much as Kramer loves the fruit at Joe's said to me, hey, this one was terrible. I think I would take something from that. I wouldn't say, you know what? You're banned from listening to all the podcasts now. All right. I mean, that's, 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 you know, good business advice. Yeah. There's a little bit of soup Nazi, Nazi and Joe though. He's yeah, not, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's got, he's got the best stuff. He doesn't care what anybody thinks he could. And each individual customer is spending $4 at his store. So Let he me doesn't ask you know, this question. This yeah. is 1993 in 2015. Is Joe's still open for business? I think so. I think, you know, people like, the mean store owner in the city. They're fine with it. They're fine. Yeah, people, like you said, people are mean in the city. They'll tell you to F off to your face if they don't like you. This place would be done in a second in LA. Oh, in LA, yeah, they wouldn't last. Yeah. 
Is this fruit organic, Joe? <laughs> is this an organic mango? I grew I made it myself. <laughs> All right. So Joe bans Kramer from the store. No fruit for you. I, I do wonder like how much there there really are a lot of like we saw the the record store owner a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, the 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 laundry guy, the the dry cleaning guy. Like there's a lot of, you know, every store owner is meaner than the next in this show. Yeah. A lot of salty small business owners in Seinfeld. The mom and pop store. <laughs> So George is on the date with Karen and she has really enjoyed her dinner. She is uh, in the throes of ecstasy while she enjoys this risotto. I hate how she says risotto also. How does she say it? She's like risotto or something like that. <laughs> she's smoking a cigarette at the table. That's oh how my much God. She's Let's just do the what wouldn't happen in 2015 segment right now. <laughs> You'd, you'd be thrown in jail for five years if you smoked a cigarette in a nice <laughs> restaurant in New York City. Wow. <laughs> Michael Bloomberg, who's no longer mayor, would, would, would rescue himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she, Karen would not be allowed to smoke the cigarette, but she is full and satisfied here. And so George wants to know if she enjoys their lovemaking as much as she enjoyed the risotto. This is such an awkward conversation here also. It really is, because again, it's not, <laughs> to use, use a, a euphemism you might hear at Joe's, it's not exactly apples to apples. No, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be lowering the bar that much to sort of compare it to the risotto. And, and like, that's not what they were talking about, so it's really out of nowhere. Yeah. So she says after the risotto, she feels full. <laughs> He's not going to win there. And then also, uh, she describes herself as an enigma. A lot of enigmas in Seinfeld. We're going to see a lot of enigmas wrapped in different things. <laughs> okay. So George asks Karen if she wants to skip the movie and just go back to her place. You think they're also going to the Meryl Streep movie? <laughs> no. Oh, hold on. Is this a thing? Could you just skip the date? <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is, I mean, I think that George buried the lead here of what you yeah. can do. This is a move. Oh, no. More people going out on a weeknight, like dinner and a movie. This is these guys are party animals. Yeah. Hey, could we just skip the movie? What? That sounds fantastic. And you know George hasn't paid for the, for the tickets yet because there's no way he'd recommend that if he'd already paid for the movie tickets. Yeah. Okay. So we see Jerry and Elaine. They're also at dinner. Elaine is also enjoying her dessert. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know what she's eating though. Some sort of what chocolate mousse it looks like. Yeah, I think it's mousse probably. Yeah. They're going to potentially go see this new Meryl Streep movie. We bring up Meryl Streep a bunch of times about how she's such an actress and Elaine likes her because she's so authentic. Yeah, the Meryl Streep stuff at least holds up because she's still considered like a top tier actress. Yeah, look at Meryl Streep. Still going. Jerry wants another shot. One shot. He can do it. And we don't also we don't really know what happened in the deal in season two. So like he probably got another shot, but I don't know. I guess that didn't really that, you know, he didn't. Yeah, it didn't take. (laughs) <laughs> so Elaine says no it'll ruin the friendship and Jerry says friendship schmenship right and this is also a play on the deal right where they were talking about sex to save the friendship yeah all right Jerry wants 30 minutes 30 minutes he can do it he'll settle for 15 15 minutes Akiva yeah he'll settle for five honestly if you <laughs> if you offered it <laughs> and he accuses Elaine of oh you don't want me to do it you like having this over my head well she wants the hand <laughs> Uh, so hold on, Akiva. <laughs> so that a different conversation. Yeah, so that's a different conversation. Okay, fine. So does Elaine like having this over Jerry's head? Because I kind of think she does. Yeah, I think she does like it. She likes this. 
Yeah, my wife, we played chess once and she beat me at chess. And I've been banging her for about eight years for a rematch and she will not grant me a rematch. <laughs> and I'll crush her. Like, I'm, I'll beat her 20 times out of well, 21. What happened that time? I, I wasn't focusing because I was so much better <laughs> than her. But she will never give me a rematch. Yeah. Ever. And I know I'll beat her. So she likes holding it over my head. So George is in bed with Karen and he looks frustrated. Dejected, yeah, I don't think it went well. It didn't go well. He says it was all Jerry and Elaine's fault. It's like a weird thing to bring up in bed. <laughs> and so George is very flustered about the whole thing. And uh, she says that everything's okay. It's not like after the risotto. Yeah, he shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> now, did uh, how, is this also an apples to apples thing that everything that psyched him out? I do think it's in his head at this point. He's like Chuck Knobloch throwing the ball over first base. He has the yips. Yeah, he does have the yips. <laughs> <laughs> there should be a better word for this than yips, but I don't know if we should come up with it. So Jerry and Elaine are fighting in the car. They walked out of the movie. Jerry just could not take looking at that Meryl Street. That's a really big deal. Have you walked out of a movie ever? Yes. What movie? I walked out of... Uh, Spice World. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I think I walked out of the first Anchorman. But what? I, at that time, I had like a free movie pass. And it didn't cost me anything to go to the movie. Why did you walk out, though? You didn't enjoy it? I'm not sure exactly what was going on. I, I can't speak to my mindset at that time. Do you not like Anchorman? It's fine. I think I might have thought it was going to be uh, different than it was. But this might have been around the time that I first started dating my wife. And this might be somewhat akin to George skipping the movie. I hear you. I was like, all right. Oh, oh, you mean you weren't at Anchorman alone? Yeah, yeah. I was. I I don't want to hear any more about this. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's just. (laughs) I don't want to hear anymore. I think it was. I didn't pay for the tickets. I was like, uh, like, I don't want to. Let's not hang out here for another hour. Did you have any mango that day? No, no. (laughs) Okay. And so the. Did I ever talk about how I got the free movie pass? No, tell me. So. Back in 2003, I can't remember after which Survivor stint this was. I think it must have been after the first time I did Survivor. If something good happened to you, it was probably after the first one. Yeah, after the first one. And so it was 2003, and I thought really the promotional opportunities were going to be rolling in left and right. They were not, Akiva. I think you told us, you you have discussed a couple of promotional opportunities. Well, what was what did I discussed? I, it was there, there was a magic ball. Yes. Someone paid you to go to parties with a magic ball. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I don't remember hearing about the free movie pass. Okay. So there was like a guy who was putting out a cookbook and the cookbook was about how to eat bugs. And oh, yeah. You know what? You did yeah, mention this. Yeah. Did they paid you with a movie pass? Yeah. That's what I got paid with, a movie pass. And oh yeah, it was one movie a week, <laughs> something like that for two people. Yes, yeah. Oh boy. Like, oh, free movie pass. Okay, sure. Let me go stand. I, you know, like I don't go to the movies, but I geek. feel like that's the best present anybody could give you. <laughs> like I would go. I haven't been to the movies. I said in a few years, but I would go all fifty-two weeks if someone gave me a free movie pass. It wasn't worth it to sit there and be like uh, humiliated as like okay, and here's this uh, here's this like uh, lunatic that's gonna eat a bug on a TV show on like local news. <laughs> It wasn't worth and it. And is that the only movie you've ever walked out of? I want to say there might have been one or two others. Okay. Yeah. When, when I was a little kid, I, got, I walked out of Gremlins because I was too scared. Yeah, scary is a little different. <laughs> I, that's like reasonable. <laughs> there might have been one other one. I think there was one with, uh, it was I think with like 
Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton, and Keanu Reeves. I think that one I also uh, walked out on. And that might have also been during the uh, movie pass era. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't can't remember a movie I've walked out of, but I had a, a bad habit when I was like 18 or 19. Yeah. We'd go to movies at night when we were camp counselors, and I fell asleep during like five straight movies. <laughs> oh, I definitely What was like that. the Tom Hanks movie where there was a lot of rain? <laughs> Castaway? No, oh boy. No, not Castaway. It was like, it really wasn't a great movie. A lot of rain. <laughs> I fell asleep during that one. Also, Vanilla Sky. Sleepless I fell asleep in Seattle? During. No, I never saw Sleepless in Seattle. Rain's a lot in Seattle. I feel like people say that, but then I'm not so sure. <laughs> oh, Road to Perdition. Oh, yeah, yeah. I fell asleep during that one. Very yeah. rainy, you know, puts you in the mood to sleep. Yeah. Vanilla Sky fell asleep during. I like Vanilla Sky. I'm a big Vanilla Sky One of the fan. Harry Potters. Yeah. A lot of falling asleep during movies back then. Yeah, uh, the movie, I think, uh, Something's Gotta Give. I think that might have been another movie I watched. Oh, yeah, down. okay, okay. And I, I believe... was with a girl in the, in the Road to Perdition. She was very mad afterwards. She's like, why do you want to go to a movie if you, were, if you just went to fall asleep? I was like, I, I didn't intend to fall asleep. Like, the movie could have been great. I probably would have stayed up. Yeah, you know, you she don't like Paul Newman? Like I went there to take a nap. Sure. But uh, she, she was not thrilled. Yeah, I remember saying distinctly, uh, Something's Gotta Give Me My Money Back. But I had, didn't actually pay for the ticket, I don't think. <laughs> but it, it was too complicated to say any other way. All right. So we end up with Jerry and Elaine. They're fighting. And so it's a whole feud. It's a whole beef between Jerry and Elaine. It's almost like watching your parents fight when Jerry and Elaine fight. We don't like it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so George is back at Jerry's apartment and he's just ranting. He's very angry about everything. Well, he's blaming Jerry and Elaine for this. Yeah. And he's really upset. And Jerry tries to make him feel better. Jerry is a good friend to George throughout this whole episode. Yeah, yeah. This is one of Jerry's better episodes in terms of being nice. Yeah, he doesn't make fun of George at all. I feel like because he empathizes with the problem very much. Has this problem happened to Jerry before? We know it what happened to, to him like, in the For episode. him to be empathetic, yeah, I'd say it has to have happened before. It even happened to Houdini. How could it not happen to Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> so did, did this actually happen to Houdini? No, I think this is an example of him like making his friend feel better. I don't think like maybe, but I don't know if Houdini was like blabbing about it. Yes. <laughs> because if it, I guess if it could happen to Houdini, it could happen to anybody. Yeah, he could get a trunk out of underwater with his hands in chains. Yeah. And so I did a search for uh, Houdini impotent. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> So from the biography, The Life and Many Deaths of Harry Houdini by Ruth Brandon, which is the first major Houdini biography in several years, the author engaged in some amateur psychology about Houdini, who didn't have any children, but wrote many love letters. Mm. And so in the book, they state, one can only conjecture as the reason for the childlessness, infertility is not uncommon, but her own guess, based on the effusive daily, sometimes thrice daily outpouring of love declarations, is that Houdini may have been impotent. Why all these protestations? <laughs> what was so wrong that he had to keep proclaiming his devotion? Was this a constant need to reassure both his love interest and himself? I think he spent too much time writing love letters. So, <laughs> he could not show a woman, how much he loved her. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
How do you Listen, think he had so much perfect, time Harry. to practice all these magic tricks? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if he had anything else to be doing, he'd be doing it. Yeah, he was very uh, singularly focused on the magic. Yeah. I think he was very focused on the magic. I mean, you could argue a guy like in his apartment, like practicing magic is not, you know, bringing the ladies like flies. Yeah. <laughs> he can make things levitate off the ground, but other things, no. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no magic wand for Houdini. <laughs> Keep it up. Illusionist. Keep going. Like five more. <laughs> <laughs> so, George, this makes him feel better, though. Yeah, I mean, if Houdini couldn't do it, then what chance does Costanza have? Yeah. And actually, they compare the whole act into a magic trick. It's a miracle anybody can do whatever. <laughs> and Kramer wants Jerry to go to Joe's and buy him fruit. Uh, yeah, this is a great plan here. It's a foolproof plan. Jerry does not want to do it. Well, Jerry's lazy. He doesn't want to do anything for anybody. <laughs> but eventually, Kramer's going to talk him into it. Uh, we see George storm off and says, if Houdini couldn't do it, then what chance does he have? Yeah, I really like Kramer's uh, monologue here is also pretty well known. Yeah. Right. That is like that. He's, you know, when he rants about the, the quality of fruit at a supermarket. Yeah. You know, the apples are mealy. The oranges are dry. I don't know what's going on with the papayas. And he like squeaks when he says the papayas, <laughs> which is true. Like you want to go to a place that specializes in fruit. We've discussed this, right? Like you want to go to a restaurant and offer and order what they specialize in. Not like, ooh, you guys have, you know pizza too and it's like the 11th thing they serve mm. but do you feel that way about the supermarket with fruit i guess it depends on the supermarket but i have recently been to uh, a supermarket and the fruit selection was atrocious and i feel like if you go to a fruit store it's unlikely that's going to happen because i feel like they know the right guy to you know they know like the right hookup for fruit. Do you go to a specialized store for fruit i don't go to any stores i've been to like four supermarkets in my life um, Four supermarkets in your life. Like I don't go shopping. My wife goes shopping. Okay. You know, I went straight from childhood to being married, and I don't go shopping. So I, I really never, I've never lived on my own. I don't know any of this stuff. But the couple times I've like accidentally stumbled into having to go shopping, I feel like the fruit store, like they, if they don't have good fruit, they have nothing. Where the supermarket, like if you like the prices on their chicken, you're going to go there and pick up your, you know apples preferably like the sour green apples i don't know what the name is i like those like you're just gonna buy them unless they're atrocious you're just gonna keep buying your fruit there because you don't want to stop at eight different stores okay i hear that so we end up with jerry getting a phone call from a woman <laughs> an ex-girlfriend it's a very funny phone conversation that he has it's patty lawrence and he asks patty lawrence when we were going out did you have orgasms <laughs> and i guess he gets an affirmative it's an affirmative and he says, thanks. And he hangs up. <laughs> By the way, Patty Lawrence is really, she's up for it. Just call, ask that question. No problem. Yeah. And then immediately he calls Elaine and lets Elaine know that Patty Lawrence had orgasms. <laughs> He's got calls in the six other ladies and I'll bet they confirm them too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Elaine hangs up on him. Basically, Elaine does to him the bit that we do on the podcast where then he hangs up on us. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Kramer and Jerry are outside the fruit store and Kramer gives Jerry some instructions on how to pick out the right amount of fruit. You know, and there are a lot of jokes, especially last season, about how Jerry's a bad actor. Yeah. But I wonder if this is like a little bit of a meta thing here where like all he has to do is go in and buy the fruit, not announce every fruit he's picking up. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. It's almost like to me, does Jerry want to get caught? Yeah, because then every, he never has to go shopping for Kramer again. Right now, he's in for a lifetime of like servitude until Joe's eventually closes. 
where he's got to go shopping for Kramer every week for his fruit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense any other reason for what he's doing, but it also doesn't make sense that he wants to get caught because he likes to get his fruit from Joe's. Yeah. Because the way he's going around the store, he's like doing everything verbatim as Kramer told him. He's talking about like a, hey, I need a mango plums that are red on the inside. It's like avocado, papaya, uh, the what plantains. And Joe immediately says, that's Kramer's order. I mean, if you own a fruit fruit store, if for it to stay open, because fruit is pretty cheap, you need like hundreds of people a day to buy fruit from you, right? I would think if so. If you know one customer's order based on like someone else ordering the same thing, I don't know. I, that really makes me doubt the successful, you know, the success level of your fruit store. You think it's a bad sign for I think Joe. it's No, I think it's the least likely thing that's ever happened in the whole series that the fruit store guy would know that Jerry was ordering Kramer's fruit for him. It's crazy. I don't think it's that weird because I think that he probably knows Kramer. Kramer's got to be a memorable character. Unless think, he's seen them together in the, in Joe's, which I guess is fair. It's possible, but I just think that somebody with has having a very memorable order like Kramer, who would want the plums that are the red on the inside that's come in and complained about the fruit just now is very top of mind. And so I think he might be on the lookout for somebody who's coming in to get Kramer's. Like Kramer might be in there every day. I guess, but I, I don't know. a shop just owner see- and have a regular customer know their order by heart. I guess, but then like to just uh, call out another customer for ordering the same thing. Like, let's say he's wrong here. How insane is that? Like, let's say Jerry's never heard of Kramer. It's possible, but I mean, he's getting banned from the store for this. They might have been in there together. Also, I think that's I, that has it. to be the answer. I think Jerry that's goes I mean. there. If Kramer goes there, it's like, hey, you want to take a walk? You want to go to Joe's? You want to get something? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's canon. They've been in the store together, and also. Joe might have seen them outside in front of the store together. Oh, yeah, that's true. They were kind of rehearsing for a long time. (laughs) And so we end up with Jerry is banned. Jerry's banned from Joe's. No fruit for you. So George ends up lugging a bunch of fruit back from Joe's. Now, George does a good job of he buys more than what Jess Kramer wanted at Joe's. And then he doesn't get busted. Yeah, but you know, he, he told them beforehand that he was not paying for any of that. Yeah. And he does say that Joe was eyeballing him the whole time. I mean, I guess if anybody gets plums now, they're going to be under Joe's suspicion. Yeah. And so uh, George also mentions about how his problem, he knew it was going to happen one day. Yeah. And now he's got a date with Karen and he's in big trouble. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy for George. <laughs> so Kramer can't pay him. Jerry doesn't have any cash in the house. Kramer only has hundreds. And George is upset about this as well. By the way, the only got hundreds is always a great thing when someone's asking you for money. Yeah, Unless it's like a thief, because then he's just going to take your hundreds. And so Kramer cuts up a mango, and he gives George a piece of the mango. And George loves it. Akiva, do you like mango? Mango's fine. It it can get a little sticky. Yeah. It's fine. I agree. I think that's probably you almost want to eat it with like a fork and a knife, but then it's like weird because you're eating a fruit. But it's not I, a Snickers I, bar. Yeah, it's not a Snickers bar. I, I feel like it would be it, it. There needs to be a better way to eat it. But mango, I'll, I'll say this really, really good mango is unbelievable. Yeah, but you can have very mediocre mango also. Sure. Is but you really? like really good mango, like really like explodes in your mouth. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the mango is also, I feel like, difficult to prepare. 
Totally. Yeah. It was, it's really, it's not meant to be eaten. It's such a mess. <laughs> it really is. Like if you could go to like some sort of like continental breakfast and they have it like sliced already. Totally. Chances That's are you're where not you getting want good it. mango at a continental breakfast. No, you're never getting good mango at a continental breakfast. You, you're lucky if like a lot of times the bad mango just tastes like nothing. A lot of times also. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. like watery. Yeah. So we end up with Kramer cutting up the mango, which he does pretty quickly. And then he wants George to try it. Yeah, and this is like, this is a taste explosion. It's a taste explosion. He really likes it. He says it's like a B12 shot. Whatever that is. <laughs> I mean, it really is almost like an instantaneous, almost like he's snorting mango. It, that's how quickly it hits the system. Uh, yes, this is, it is basically like, because even if he was taking what's available nowadays to help his problem, that would take a lot longer than 30 seconds to kick in, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many hours after taking uh, mango should you call your doctor <laughs> if you st- if you still have a taste explosion four hours four later. hours yes you need to call your doctor that's yeah. what the commercial says so george feels like it's a b12 shot and he is very funny in the acting of this that he is like moving around and then he says i think it moved another great callback to a previous episode yeah that's pretty wild that was very fast also. <laughs> it moved and he eats a bunch more and then he just runs out of there. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Maybe the, yeah, and I'm back, baby is also, a, I mean, I think he says it a few times in the series, but this is, that's also a very famous line. Uh, I, I wonder if like time in the Seinfeld world works differently. Like, do you remember when in the contest, Kramer is out of the, is out of the contest when he leaves the room, comes back within like 48 seconds or something? Yeah. Like maybe the time, like the time frame in the Seinfeld world works a lot differently than maybe the real world. And that's why like this happened so quickly to George. Is that, is that possible? I think you got to ask your friend who studies the dark matter about that. Well, I think it's really more of a question for Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> like if, if, the, if the time works different. Is there some sort of temporal anomaly in Jerry's apartment that causes time? You know, time is a flat circle. It, will it cause time to move faster in the Seinfeld universe, but to us on the outside world that we're observing time move faster than it actually occurs in the Seinfeld universe? This we really need to know. I really should have my friend Eric come on and try and explain the uh, the dark matter thing. Like, pretend we're idiots. Mm. Explain how dark we matter... We won't have to pretend hard. <laughs> explain how dark matter acts reasonably similar, remarkably similar to subatomic particles you know, I don't know. And like, is it similar to the mango from Joe's fruit store? In any way, it can resolve outstanding discrepancies between data and computer simulations. Okay, All right. that's what my friend says. So maybe it is like that. You know, but his wife is also on the thing. That's never good because, like, you want to come home and, like, hey, I discovered like dark matter, blah 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 today. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, I was to your there. wife, but she was on. It says here, like, she was on the. They're both uh, physicists. Yeah. So she was like on the the team also. So you don't get any points for that. Yeah. She's not impressed. She did it too. Yeah. You don't even get a good when you come home. What's the matter? <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Like <laughs> Scott, you could cut that one. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> going back to George runs out of the apartment. And so here comes Elaine. And Jerry says to her, if it isn't the first lady of the American theater, and Jerry and Elaine seem to be breaking up. Yeah, this is really like watching, you know, two loved ones. This is very sad. This is almost like season finale stuff in the season premiere here. Yeah. 
And so they're having a bit of a hostage drop-off negotiation. So Elaine is returning Jerry's fins. And uh, Elaine wants her poker chips. Jerry wants his goggles. Elaine wants her cards. Aren't these the most random and bizarre objects that they're trading here? I mean, poker chips and cards go together. Okay, sure, I get that. Fine. And fins and goggles go together. <laughs> they go together. Why did Jerry have fins and goggles at Elaine's house? And why does maybe he want they them went back? snorkeling together? And Jerry, act, you know, he brought them home in the bag. Jerry has snorkeling equipment. Shouldn't you rent that stuff? How often is Jerry going snorkeling? It was an impulse buy, Rob. I guess so. Maybe it's from the trip to Florida. Oh, it could be. That's true. So Elaine says to Jerry, let's go. I'll give you half an hour. Yeah, and this is like a very dramatic scene. It's like the most dramatic scene we've had so far in the series, no? Yeah. It's sex to save the friendship. Yeah, I mean, it's really, um, like, I almost tear up watching this scene. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So uh, Jerry pulls out his shirt and goes into the bedroom. We end up seeing George back in bed with uh, Karen, and she looks very happy. It's like after the risotto. Uh, Maybe even better than the risotto. Yeah. Now, George is sort of on her case, and he is implying that she was a bit of a performer. Do you think there's a side effect to the mango that, like, makes you mean? Oh, I don't know. He's probably got a mango high. Maybe it's like steroids. You know, like, there's good things, but then, you know, there's a bad side effect uh, that comes with your performance. Well, do you think that the mango is such a performance-enhancing substance that George's game was brought to such a high level that he really just uh, knocked Karen's socks off. And it was an authentic reaction from Karen. But George you think it's not- a placebo effect? The mango has a placebo effect where it wasn't working because we said it was in his head and now he's got all the confidence in the world because he thinks it's the mango? Yeah, probably. I, that's most likely the... Because the problem that George had seemed to be a mental block also. Yes. He had the yips and the yips are no longer. It didn't seem like it was a physiological thing. It seemed like it was more nice of a psychological. Man. Yeah. And so we go from that to George now doubting the reaction from Karen. And he's kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, there's no upside to what George is doing here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. It's a real. Typically, you would think that somebody in that state would be in a positive mood. Yeah, I don't know what makes him so mad. I guess he's never been in the situation before. So he yeah. doesn't know how to act. Did he fake with her? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe he faked. That's a very good question. And now he just wants she, to go to sleep. Yeah, I don't think so. He's too mad here. I, I think, I think, I don't know why, what gets him into like the jerk mode, but who cares? Even if she's, even if she was faking, just. That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. At least she, she cared <laughs> enough about him to want to put forth an effort. It's a good sign. Yeah. I mean, do you think people should be taking advice, like relationship advice from us? No. Okay, good. Who would? I think people do. I think we're really like setting the tone. No. What is the advice I'm setting? No, no advice here. No advice here. We're what we're saying, like, you know, throw a throw a thank you out there. Appreciate the effort. You know, it's the same sort of thing. If your wife makes dinner and you don't love it and you say, honey, this is really good. I really like this. Thank you. No, but then she's going to make it again next week. Or. If your wife makes a bad dinner, do you ever say like, yeah, this really isn't for me? Or, you know, you overcooked the chicken no, or whatever. No, no, I don't say that. You never say that. No. Then what happens if she does makes it the same way the next you week? You just eat it. See, I care too much about food to do that. <laughs> My wife asked me, what do you want for dinner every night? I say, whatever. 
I see. I'm much more into the food, I guess. Let's see. We've come back to here where you don't care enough about food. <laughs> this is a problem in our relationship. <laughs> Akiva, if you yeah. came to my house, <laughs> mm-hmm. I dare you to try to give my wife some advice about. Well, okay. I would never do that because I'm not coming over every single night for <laughs> dinner. There's no upside to me criticizing your wife's cooking. No, right? but there would be. <laughs> then I could say, well, you know, maybe he had a point. No, I'd have to say, I'd have to say like, uh, oh, where does this Akiva get off? <laughs> What's his problem? Because now you're just stuck with like, but I'll tell you what you can do. What's that? Is you can, at, at, the, at the moment, you don't say anything. Then a couple days later, you're like, hey, remember that macaroni and cheese you made the other night? You know, it was really whatever. You don't yeah. say it then because she's offended. She just worked hard on it. And I think that maybe the thing that you could do is maybe like uh, like oh this is a good recipe we should try this something like that I think mm-hmm. that's or right you- or right or just say like uh you don't say oh that stunk you'd be like uh maybe you overcooked it a little bit try better next time uh, i don't know that how that's going either akiva <laughs> i gotta be honest right, guys try this at home and let us know how it works yeah i think it really depends on how receptive your partner is to criticism mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to i think i am more used to receiving criticism based on what i do and i think i can handle it better you're, you're are you immune to it at this point no i'm definitely not immune to any criticism okay <laughs> but i think i could say okay well let me try to figure out how to process that all right i am curious if other people uh, criticize their their uh, partner's food though <laughs> like what what the what the move is here i suspect there's more people that are saying oh this is good and maybe oh it's not my favorite I don't yeah, like but then they're stuck for the rest this. of their lives with bad food nobody's ever getting better that way huh. why fake it <laughs> so then because some food is better than no food akiva you don't want to get the that's <laughs> uh, you know what that's fine now i'm not cooking ever again that's it no more I, i've heard that but eventually they'll, they'll all cook again okay and so we end up with uh, George. There's a whole thing about how she kicks him out and then he can't find his glasses. That's yeah, it's like a weird, like this episode is pretty straightforward. It's like a little weird thing that's thrown in there. Like it makes for a funny camera shot. But mm-hmm. other than that, it really doesn't have any payoff. I could certainly empathize. Like I wake up in the morning. I am blind without my glasses. Then I'm like looking for them. And I call like one of my kids in the room. I'm like, you know, lurking around like a crazy person, like feeling on top of the dressers trying to find them. Yeah. It really is annoying, you know, not to be able to see every morning. I'm You're sure. up. And finally, we end up with Jerry in bed with Lane, and he's upset also. It's all George's fault. Yeah, it, you know, how the tables have turned. I think Jerry's acting is also particularly bad in this scene. <laughs> yeah, this is very, like, cartoony. Yeah. He's She's really... reading a magazine facing the other way. <laughs> and so... He blames uh, George. I believe that Jerry actually says the word uh, impotence here. Yeah, which is right. They really kind of beat beated or whatever around the bush until now. Yeah. And so Elaine says she's hungry. She wants to know if Jerry still has any of that mango and then his eyes light up and then freeze frame. That's the end of the show. My question for you, Akiva, is Elaine wasn't there when they ate the mango. How'd she know there was mango? How'd she know there was mango? Oh, boy. Yeah. It's a good question. Maybe it came up. She, we know that she likes chit chat uh, during the act. We learned that, right? Yeah, but I don't so think that was canon. I don't think that was canon. It is canon. Yeah. 
<laughs> and maybe she might have passed George in the hallway who was talking about the mango. Or she no, he also had mango on his hands. Like George ate it like a slob and then walked out with the mango still on his hands. I yeah, did notice that. That's possible. Okay. And then closing stand up, uh, Jerry talks about the female orgasm and he doesn't, he says, compares it to a car accident. Can you describe where you were during the accident? <laughs> he says, I don't know. The car got turned around. I was upside down at one point. And, I, well, he also, uh, I like when he says the bat cave. Yes, talks about the bat cave. That you, you like, you might get there, but you don't know how to, how you got there, and you'll never be able to get back the same way. <laughs> yeah. All right, Akiva. Let's talk about the rankings for the mango. Did you love this episode? Was it so so? I, I mean, this is a classic episode. I really like it. What did you think? I think it's a strong episode. It, you wouldn't put the c word there. Is it a classic episode? Uh, I think that there are classic moments from it. I think that in practice i think that this is probably in the moment in terms of shock value in terms of people talking about something in the medium that had never been talked about before i think that that made it funnier i think on its own in 2015 i think it's still funny but it's not for me i think a top 25 30 episode uh, that's fair. I, yeah, I mean, again, rewatchability is a big thing because that's what we're doing. And, you know, that's what we have. It's definitely a, a factor in my ratings. You know, how does this hold up once you get rid of the big, you know, the big uh, reveals and stuff like that? Like, are you still laughing nonstop during the episode? I definitely laughed a few times in this episode, but not uh, nonstop by any means. Like the stuff with Joe's is more plot driven than necessarily comedy. Yeah, it's not particularly funny. Anything that happens, you know, a little bit of Kramer spitting out the peach and Jerry getting banned from the fruit store. That's not like a major hilarious moment. And then the stuff with Elaine and George and, and Jerry and, and the friendship. And it's funny. It's funny. And I like it. But it's not to me one of the all time greatest of the great Seinfeld episodes. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, so I have the mango at number 41. 41. OK, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's a good episode. There's definitely moments. It's memorable. It's important. Uh, you know, I mean, as far as like a sitcom goes. But What's the best joke in the episode? What's the biggest <sighs> laugh? I mean, I, you know, the, the, you know, Kramer's, uh, you know, Kramer's like, the apples are mealy, the oranges are dry. That is probably a famous line there. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's one classic line that I people. I think when George eats the mango. I think, uh, and, uh, oh, when he, but he says, I think it moved, but that's moved. like a throwback line. It to another moved, but I think I'm, I'm back, baby. Yeah, I I'm back. Like, baby's famous. I think that's really good. I think then the scene in the beginning. Oh no, no. Fake, 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 fake is yeah, the line of this episode. But, that's not no the, but is that the funniest line? No, but it's the best line. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You've talked about the cigarette smoking. Anything else that would be different in 2015? Hmm. I just think that relationship, dating, sex advice is available much more at the ready in 2015. So you could Google and find out that Mango is, uh, you know, will help you out. Or you could find out it's a placebo. You could find out lots of things in 2015 that would have required at least a trip to the library in 1993. Yeah, and clearly someone went to the library back then to find out about Houdini's impotence. (laughs) So that's different. And then I'm not trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, maybe there'd be some sort of an app that delivers fruit to your house. Yeah, you could have like ordered Joe's fruit, you know, through an app probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Akiva, are you ready to get into some email? First email oh, of season five. Yes. Okay. Why? Is there a particular email you want to talk oh, about? Oh, no, I haven't looked at them. I'm just, uh, I don't know. 
Okay. Our emails come in every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Let's go ahead and start with Amir, who says a few points. While there's many ways to make risotto, many recipes include onions, garlic, wine, olive oil, and mushrooms. All are known aphrodisiacs. So when Karen certainly feels full after the risotto, it is possible that she had other sexual feelings as well. Oh, Amir. Oh, look at Amir, knowing his stuff. Amir's going to write a cookbook. He's been, he's been working on Google. Yeah. Number two, Amir says, George really drops the ball here. The situation seemed like the perfect time to implement his combining food and sex experiment. Yeah, but he likes sandwiches. He's not into the fruit. Fruit is a little messy. Like, that. you don't want that mango. You're going to, that's gross. You don't want to bring mango into your bed in any scenario. <laughs> Number three. I'm wondering if Kramer is dissatisfied with Joe's peaches due to the fact that he's unfairly comparing them to the deliciousness of a manicaw peach. Uh, it's possible. I, there is really a lot of fruit talk in the later seasons of the series. And number four, the camera shot from George's perspective showing him as nearly blind looking for his glasses seems to be foreshadowing next week's episode where we question just how accurate George's vision really is. I wonder if that was intentional or not. Yeah, and just for housekeeping, uh, that's the next episode they filmed, but that's not the next episode they aired, so that's not our next episode. Okay. The glasses. First email from Johnny DeSavera for season five. He says, uh, Dear Robin Akiva, I can't believe it's season six already. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's excited. He's season excited. six? Yes. Uh, Johnny says the original title for the manga was supposed to be The Orgasm. Did you know that? Uh, it's more, uh, it's a better title, but I understand why they couldn't do that then i do wonder if they would be able to do that now i think maybe okay he says that the subplot of kramer being banned from a fruit stand is based on a real event that happened to larry david for squeezing the produce too much that i believe but how do you know if they're good if you don't squeeze them it's like when you go to your fridge and you want to pick which man you know i don't know the difference between like mangoes and nectarines and any of that stuff that's one of my oh, problems mango is nothing like a not nectarine. mango peach nectarine anything in the peach family yeah i like it's all one to me i don't know the difference okay Johnny wants to know, what's the favorite fruit of the two of you? Personally, Johnny loves raspberries and strawberries. I didn't even know raspberry was a fruit. <laughs> you didn't know raspberry was a fruit? What did you think it was? I, I never thought about it before. I guess if you had put a gun to my head, I would have said fruit. Yes. Um, but I don't think about it in the way. I feel like fruits are bigger. Mm. <laughs> what's your favorite fruit? Like a, like a good uh, banana or an orange. That's good. A really good orange is great, but I, I like the, uh, I don't know what type, what they're called, like those green apples that are a little more tart. That's my, that's my go-to apple. Okay. I'll have like four of those a day if they're lying. Four around. a day? No question. I'll have like, sometimes my wife will come by my, uh, my work desk and they'll just be like four apple cores and like a bunch of like orange peels and she'll just like walk out like you disgusting pig. You know, my wife goes to the supermarket and then I also go to the supermarket and I buy my stuff that I eat during the week. Or really, you do different shopping? Yeah, yeah. By the way, apple cores and orange peels, not aphrodisiacs. No. We've been lying around. No, <laughs> definitely wild. not. Definitely not. And, but when I go to this trader, because I go to a different store, I try to go to Trader Joe's because it's cheaper. And my wife uh, can't shop there. She has to shop at Ralph's, which is... Uh, oh my, she wants to go more... You know, more expensive than Trader Joe's? I think Trader Joe's is expensive, no? No, I don't think, I think Trader Joe's is... Really I, I don't go shopping, so I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, she can't get what she wants there. So I have to go to Trader Joe's and just uh, buy, my, buy my stuff to get through the week. And now her and the baby started eating this, uh, like a, I used to buy like sliced apples at Trader Joe's. And now 
her and the baby are going through like a bag of sliced apples a day. Like I buy. What does that mean? Stuff. They just slice the apples for you? Yeah, they're like in a bag. Well, why can't you slice your own apples? Look, it's. A I bet it's five times the price, Rob. To, uh, the sliced apples. It, you're probably not far off. It's like maybe uh, ten times the price. Three ninety nine, I think, for the bag of the sliced apples. And how many apples are there in there sliced? I'd say if you, if you put them back together, I'd say it's probably like four or five. Oh man, I don't know about that. Yeah, no, I'm gonna stop buying it because uh, my wa- you know my wife and the baby are going through them like a bag a day. Like I used yeah, to buy them, it would last me the week. They're going through a bag a day, and I'm saying, what are we what are we gonna spend like t- like thirty dollars a week on sliced apples? I feel like if you put that in your expense chart, that would be like it's a little excessive. <laughs> But wait, but why isn't she getting sliced apples from Ralph's? I don't think they have them. So why doesn't she start shopping at Trader Joe's? It's a better supermarket. Akiva, I, I wish <laughs> we could have this conversation of a three-way call. I don't know. Let's 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 put her on the line right now. <laughs> let's call her. <laughs> so let's take an email from uh, from Chester. It's like I have to stop eating certain things because uh, my wife and the baby are, are just eating the stuff that I'm going to the store to buy. Yeah, that's why, like, my wife has the opposite problem, where I'm, like, such a voracious eater that, like, anything she likes, she kind of has to hide at least half of it. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm home alone and there's, like, nothing to eat, I'll just eat all of it. And then I'll come home, like, oh, that was, like, for the baby. Like, or, like, this, our six-year-old, like, specifically requested that food that you ate all of, like, before it even got into the fridge. Okay, let's take some emails from Chester. Wants to know, have you ever liked someone enough to Ajax the tub? No. God. <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't, I don't even know what Ajax was a thing. Chester says if this episode was in 2015 you know what wouldn't change a reference to the great actress would still be Meryl Streep what a testament to the length and excellence of her career hashtag strong take yeah 25 years later how about that Chester says I'm on the record of saying that mango is the best fruit uh, but he never had a mango so good that it caused it to move and have you either experienced a fruit related aphrodisiac no I do not say no I don't think I'm wired that way uh, George in bed in this episode seems to uh, mirror the move scenes in uh, the Fusilli Jerry. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, that's true. I, I really hate all of the, it's so sitcom-y, or not even just sitcom-y, like TV-y, where like everyone's in bed next to each other with the covers like rolled up to their shoulders. Right, you prefer everybody just be naked. Yeah, of course, <laughs> I, it's nine o'clock on NBC. But like, I, I just you want that you feel like that they do something just be different. Blurred. Yeah, that's what everybody does. Yeah, dude, that that's funny. <laughs> do something different. Everyone does the covers up to the up, up to the shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> too, it, you know, it's it's like announcing you're on a television show. You want more? No realism. one has ever done that look in real life once ever. <laughs> Get dressed afterwards, but uh, don't lie there with you know the covers up to your shoulders. That's never happened. Yeah. And Chester says, uh, why is George's accusation of faking so offensive to Karen? If anything, it's offensive to him. I can't understand why Karen would really uh, want to date and sleep with George in the first place. But if she is, it's unclear why this one scene would upset her so much. It's a good point. But cra- he, George would have had to phrase it differently. Like, oh, man, me? Like, I've never done that before. You must be so nice to pretend. But yeah. he, I, he just was aggressive and mean about it. <laughs> like, yeah, look, I appreciate the effort, but. All right, and then finally, our resident doctor, Dr. Thomas, says, uh, Hey, Rob and Akiva, congrats on finishing season four. I'm looking forward to season five. It's my favorite season. On the topic of bedside manner being taught in medical school, it's actually a huge deal and forms a significant proportion of the marks in our exams. Having said that, 
good bedside manner in the form of get out of here could be a media legal issue, which is a doctor who gives false reassurances might be on the phone to Jackie Childs sooner than he'd like. So I guess if you say to the person, cancer, get out of here, and then it is, then I guess you could probably get sued. Yeah, you never say yes or no. When you're a doctor nowadays, you want to avoid lawsuits more than anything. So you just, you don't, you don't head, you answer questions head on. I asked uh, Chester's wife, the other official doctor of the podcast, I was on, I was on Skype with him and his wife was in the background. So they don't have a class called bedside manner in medical school, she said, but it's heavily uh, mentioned in every class. And they do have one class and I'm blanking on the name where it's like a big talking point, like dealing with patients. What are you doing with Chester so much on Skype these days? Oh boy. Is it time for our plug segment? Sure. Um, so I, uh, I've been cheating on you, Rob, with, uh, with another podcast. That's fine. How's it going? <laughs> uh, you know, listen, we, we started out rough too, you and I. <laughs> or I started out, I guess you were. Uh, it was called uh, Introduction to Clinical Medicine, uh, was the name of the class, Chester tells me. <laughs> I think um, that was the name of the podcast. It sounds no, 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 very yeah, boring. <laughs> that, uh, no, it's, uh, it's called Introduction to Clinical Medicine, but we just talk about heavy metal music. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Chester and I have started a podcast series. It's not going to go on forever, but we're going to do it for the next month called 32 Fans in 32 Days. Okay. And it's, uh, we're going to speak to one fan of every NFL team, starting with uh, the 32nd Jacksonville Jaguars and the 31 uh, Johnny uh, DeSilvera's beloved Tennessee Titans. Oh. Although we didn't, you know, it was a big miss by me not having Johnny DeSilvera. Sure. But uh, I didn't think of that until afterwards. But, well, uh, you know, an expert, a podcaster, a blogger, a fan that we know from every team, uh, we're, we've recorded a bunch. We're doing one a day, but, you know, in the, thir- in the month before the NFL season. You know, the month before the NFL season, you could taste it, Rob. Like, I'm so excited for it. Like a mango. Uh, like a mango, but it, it's so far away. So this will sort of bridge the gap for us. And uh, we don't have a website or anything. We're pretty low rent. But if you search 32 fans in 32 days, probably if you just search 32 fans uh, on iTunes, you'll find it. Okay, so check that out to hear Akiva and Chester talking football. Akiva, just like uh, for 60 seconds here, what's your take on the big Jets news? Akiva and I are long-suffering Jets fans. Uh, Geno Smith was punched in the face by another teammate over the sum of $600. and. Uh, Breaking, we've recorded these on Wednesday. Uh, Akiva, that linebacker who punched <laughs> Geno Smith and broke his jaw, who's now out for six to ten weeks, has now signed with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, what's your Rex take Ryan, on you this? bastard? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I listen, and again, the eight things that are completely insane will happen to the Jets between now and the time this posts, and people won't even remember sure. the Geno Smith thing, probably. Sure, but um, it's classic, like hashtag LOL Jets. It's uh, you know, uh, and we can't have good things, right? The Mets are looking good, so the Jets have to be the laughing stock of the whole sports world. Yeah. I hope they go 0-16 this year. Obviously, it would be good because then you get a quarterback. But to me, Ryan Fitzpatrick really played well last year. He's obviously an upgrade from Geno Smith. The problem is now you have another year of like, oh, Geno didn't get a fair shot because someone punched his face and he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. So that's why he threw 30 interceptions in seven games. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, hopefully there won't be another year of Geno Smith. He'll be out of our lives. But. The problem is you have to be really bad in the NFL. You have to bottom out. You have to bottom out. And the problem is the Jets never bottom out. And I really wanted them to go 0-16 last year. At the point where they started off really crappy. I wanted them to lose every game. They had to beat the stupid Tennessee Titans. They had to beat the stupid Dolphins, Dolphins last in the last week of the, of the season. Yeah. And so there you go. It'll be another another year with uh, Geno Smith, who I actually thought was going to be okay, but this this whole incident has left a very bad taste in my mouth, uh, much like I got punched in the face. 
Well, if you think if you thought it was going to be okay, you know, then maybe I'm excited to be. I think we're drafting next to each other in the Rob is a fantasy football league. Yeah. So I'm excited. If you're if you're looking after guys like Geno Smith, I'm very oh, excited. No, no, well, not anymore. <laughs> now you're, I don't like him for fantasy. I thought he was going to be fine for the the offense that they were. Well, someone has to get stuck with him in a 32 team league, right? I guess so. All right, that's going to do. It. What's the hashtag this week, Akiva? You said at the very beginning, but I'm an old man. I just got off a plane and I forgot. <laughs> I said five stars for season five. Five stars for season five. Yeah. Okay, boy, that's uh, that's the real aphrodisiac, I think. Five stars on iTunes. That's right. Akiva, every week we like to talk about somebody who gave us a five star rating in the past week at the end of the show. Here we go. Here is the most recent five-star rating. Oh, this is from uh, Mary H., who says, I look forward to the Seinfeld post-show recap every week. I've seen every Seinfeld episode dozens of times, but get a new appreciation for each episode through all of the fun facts, trivia, and Robin Akiva's humorous take on the show and life. Yeah, stick to the show. I don't know if our takes on life are really going to help you. Yeah. And Scott Y. said, this podcast is hilarious. I'm doing a rewatch of the entire series, and listening to these are part of my post-show routine. The hosts are really funny, and I find myself laughing more at the jokes and takes even in the show sometimes. Oh, stop. Get out of here. That person was faking. You're too so kind. You're Scott. too kind, but I appreciate it. But you didn't have to fake like that. Yeah, just tell us the truth next time. Tell us the truth. I mean, you really didn't have to go through the whole thing. All right. Akiva, next week, what's coming up? The puffy shirt. Oh, boy. Can't beat it. Yes. This is exciting. We're, really in, the go- We're in the golden era of this podcast, Rob. There we go. All right. Can't wait to hear from you guys. You can go ahead and leave us your comments at postshowrecaps.com. Send us your emails every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye.